0: (laughs) welcome to the black cast i am christian Blad. as always this is the black cast very excited to have assembled for you uh three of the greatest minds in terms of film criticism that i've had to interact with uh one of them being mine no of course i'm very excited to have the panel we have here today two of whom have never been on the black cast before uh, we'll start with uh, the the one who has been here before, Liam McEnany, Thank you for coming back on the show, sir.
1: Thanks for inviting me back, despite all the things that happened last two times I was on the show.
0: Wow, we we dissected the premiere episode of the Chevy Chase Show to commemorate its 30th anniversary. I also uh, almost
1: ended your longtime friendship with uh, Ryan. That
0: actually had nothing to do with you. That had something to do with a clip that I played. But don't worry. (laughs) That part of the episode has been scrubbed from the Internet. So uh, only only we have the memory of it. But uh, yeah, we what
2: what happened?
0: happened? I'll tell you off air, Bill.
2: Okay, it's actually (laughs) Uh, pretty funny.
0: But uh, yeah, well, just uh, our our one host decided he didn't want to do the show and then came back after like two minutes.
1: Bill, what happened was, uh, literally nothing. And someone took it personally. Okay. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, now I have to get the official commemorative. Uh, this will make Vinny feel at home. I'll get the bell for that. Thank you for uh, encapsulating it so well. Uh, but yes, we spent about three hours dissecting 42 minutes of the Chevy chase show. Uh, and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> this will be kind of the reverse We're going to try to spend 45 minutes Talking about a three and a half hour movie Liam McEnany, thank you for being here uh, And uh, I've, I've shared a screen With Vinny Paulino before But uh, never on the broadcast before Vinny, thank you for making the time for us Much appreciated
3: Totally appreciate the invite I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie with you guys
0: And uh, people know Vinny from uh, The great subreddit Surfing Which he co-hosts with a Potato Cardiff Electric and also The Creep Off, which he co-hosts with a different vegetable, Carl Hamburger. Uh, you can find both of those shows uh, wherever podcasts are found. And uh, excited to finally have an excuse. Bill Narducci and I have been talking about doing a podcast for, I don't know, about a decade. And uh, I'm glad that this was the movie that finally uh, brought you here to the channel. Uh, appreciate so, what you mean. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I want to just uh, start sort of big picture Obviously, uh, you know, there's something that people might be critical. And look, when I looked and I was about to buy my tickets on the AMC app, I saw it was three hours and 24 minutes. And I just had to plan differently. I'm like, oh, the day I was going to go see it, I can't see it that day. I needed more time, but I made it work. I saw it in IMAX. Everything worked out. So I
3: wish I had done that, man. I wish I had (laughs) done that. I did not look at the runtime on this movie before I bought (laughs) the tickets. And I bought, you ready for this? 9 30 p.m. showing
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i'll tell you what i knew i knew the runtime. uh i also knew that the screening i was going to was going to be completely packed so i actually did a beverage inventory and stopped drinking caffeinated beverages 90 minutes before the screening and cut down on my water consumption because i knew that like to leave to go to the bathroom at any point would be a major production
0: oh yeah you would you would definitely irritate so many people if uh, you got especially. Up there.
1: I was in a screening full of Scorsese superfans. so it was. Um, it, it was <laughs> wait, wait! Now, you,
0: I, now I need to ask. Where did you see yeah, it? Yeah, where did yeah. you see it in L.A.? I saw
1: it at a certain uh, film school on the West Coast, oh, um, gotcha. and the the co writer was there, and it was actually an amazing experience. But. I was dehydrated at the end of the, at the end of the night.
0: Well, look, I think that, uh, we all were maybe a little de uh, dehydrated, uh, after it, but, uh, uh, and, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's very easy. Look, there's movies that you can talk about where you're like, I don't quite know why it was as, as long as it was. But uh, this, this didn't really feel like one of those. We'll obviously break it down. I really feel like the last hour of it is is like, it was all set up to like, okay, well, now here's what it's really about. This is what it's all been building to. And it just happens to to take an hour. Um, let me ask each of you just sort of overall thoughts. I'll start with you, Bill Larducci. Uh, just overall thoughts after you saw the movie.
2: What What were you thinking? i wish i wish it was longer and uh actually i heard that i heard that scorsese wanted to put an intermission in and that would have uh that would have saved the movie like hateful eight um yeah i was gonna i was gonna
0: mention hateful eight did that kenneth brana did like a four hour hamlet at some point there was literally an intermission in the middle i think there's something to be said for an intermission
2: um i'm a scorsese super fan uh so I really enjoyed it. I thought it was better than The Irishman. I loved the book. I wish they kind of filmed the book, um, and um, um, I thought it was pre- that's seven out of ten. It was, the music was amazing, also. Robbie Robertson destroyed it. You know, without him, I don't know if I would have liked it as much. But um, the true the true story is crazy. I just wish they uh, they stuck to the book. But I get it. this day and age, it's kind of hard to do that. <laughs> Let
0: me ask, Bill, did you read the book because you heard it was going to be a movie or had you just
2: happened to read the book ahead of time? I just happened to read the book ahead of time. Um, Yeah. um, But, um, yeah, I I was 7 out of 10. You know, I didn't super love Wolf of Wall Street when I first saw it. And now it's like my comfort movie. So, um, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. Crazy movie. I, I, remember, I, remember I agree your- with
0: your assessment on the uh, Irishman, by the way. This is definitely better than that. And uh, I'm sorry, I was speaking over someone, but I wasn't
2: sure who it was. No, so I remember your status when you were like Wolfful Wolf of Wall Street is awful. And I kind of agree with you, but now I can't, yeah. can't stop to, watching.
0: To be fair, I haven't rewatched it, but uh, the way people talk about it now, I'm like, uh I might I might look at it a little differently. But I rewatched
1: uh, it this week. It uh is exactly the same as the last time I saw it. Like there's <laughs> No, I mean like some movies I watch it a second or third time and I catch everything I missed the first time and I'm like, okay, well, this was better than I thought. But this one was exactly what, Wolf of Wall Street was exactly what I thought the first two times I watched it. Um, I will say like, I agree with you that I wish that uh, that Jesse Plemons' character had been a more of a major role. But from what I uh, understand, that was the role that originally Leo DiCaprio was going to play and then he kind of just decided that uh that the berkman was a berkman berkham his character was more interesting and it's the one he wanted to to play and because uh leo de capricorn is the guy that the funding <laughs> tracks the funding what? uh they they restructured the screen play and the story so that uh, ernest was was the was the main character instead of an ancillary character
0: That's interesting. I didn't know that. And and I definitely thought that, uh, you know, Jesse Plemons uh, would have been welcome a little bit earlier. But, you know, I don't think it it, it really detracted from my enjoyment of it. It's just more I I tend to enjoy him. And I thought this character was great. Vinny, what did you think uh, when you saw uh, Killers of the Flower Moon?
3: What I really liked about this movie was the world building in it. Because I really wasn't sure what to expect going into uh, this movie in terms of the story. I didn't read the book. Uh, I had a general idea, but I went in there and he built an entire world. There was lots of little establishment scenes to help you figure out everything that was going on around it. Um, And it was just an amazing tapestry of a movie. Like everything came together and I watched it for three and a half hours and I didn't feel bored at all. So, I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself. And it's, filmed beautifully the cinematography is beautiful the score is beautiful i had a hard time finding anything i really didn't like about it so i thought it was probably his best work in a long time I agree. yeah
0: i i think it, i think it's actually hard for me to think about like when was the last time i saw a scorsese movie and i was like yeah 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 this this is this is great but uh in terms of like just some of the visuals i mean like right out of the box, you know, just sort of the, just setting the tone, kind of giving us the the backstory, uh, and you know the the scene which our visual audience is going to see. It's on the IMAX version of the poster when they're just dancing around when they strike oil, you know, and just sort of the symbolism of like just literally bathing yourself in oil. But of course, uh, you know, everything that goes with it is really what uh, what the the movie talks about, and I think there are. Just tremendous performances across the board. I mean we've we've mentioned Jesse Clemens. We've mentioned, of course uh, Leo uh, look, De Niro at this point, you don't always know what you're gonna get with him, you know I think uh, I think that uh, it's it's very erratic from I don't know Rocky and Bullwinkle onward, maybe you know, and it's not even just because he does comedies because he's great in some comedies, you know. The, the first Meet the Parents is great. You know, uh, we could uh, we'd spend some time talking about some of those movies, but it just in general, uh, th- there, there's definitely times where you go, oh, I don't know, that didn't really work. But I, I thought he was phenomenal in, in this. Uh, let me uh, go around and ask you first, Vinny, what did you think of uh, De Niro and us?
3: Did anybody else feel like he played that character in a very delicate way? Like, yes. he didn't play it, like, over the top in any way with, like, the southern accent or anything like that. He was a very understated guy. And there was one particular scene. I obviously don't want to give anything away in the movie, but everybody got bad news. And the way yeah. he reacted to it <laughs> was just so, like, natural and, like, wow, what a what an actor and what a scumbag at the same time. Um, <laughs> he was able to get that nuance of being, like, just a phony piece of shit into into that performance while also kind of feeling, you know, earnest and, and you know what he was trying to say to these people. It, it was a crazy thin balancing act for that role because you had to be like the public nice guy, but then you also realize he's insidiously evil at the same time. And De Niro home run. I thought he was phenomenal. And, I, I thought, go ahead, I thought De, go De ahead, Niro you.
1: and DiCaprio gave amazing lifetime, like once in a lifetime performances. And, The thing about both of those performances is you never ever catch them acting right like you never ever catch de niro putting on a performance even though this is the kind of character i've never seen him play before right and i was a little bit worried that uh you know his accent might slip but he's such a tightly disciplined actor but also i mean these are two actors that scorsese has been directing for decades right like his his relationship with de niro goes back to the Early set like nineteen seventy, I think that's when Mean Streets came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember, but um, but so it's like he kind of knows how to push their buttons now, and really knows how to like draw out these performances that other directors. I mean, no, no shade to uh, you know, Meet the Fockers, but uh, <laughs> but, but the can... other directors don't know how to like pull out these performances from him that Scorsese kind of can do in In terms of uh,
0: the notion that you know he at times is underplaying the character in the best sense of that concept, and it, you don't see the acting uh, the the scene when they're at the movie theater and they're watching the newsreel footage of the the Tulsa riots, which probably like many people I knew absolutely nothing about until the uh, HBO show Watchmen uh, opened with it. And then you Google and you're like, wait, that's a real thing. I had no idea, but anyway, watching that and just there's, there's a way to play that where like the light bulb goes off in his eyes, but instead he's just watching it with great interest. And uh, I was kind of, I was watching that scene with great interest myself because I'm like, Oh, I wonder, are they going to, are they going to fuck this up? <laughs> you know, where it's like, we should try that around here. What do you think? You know, but uh, I should have known better. Scorsese wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have even filmed it as like an alternate take. Um, But uh, what, what do you think Bill As as you watch uh, De Niro throughout this film?
2: Oh, this evil incarnate. It was crazy. I was like, I can't believe someone would be this evil. Um, I thought that scene with when he first meets Leo. After he comes back from the war, it was so long, but it was so awesome. You could see like, his type of personality and asking the questions and like, you sure you don't have any uh, infection in your stomach? It was
0: like, yeah, you, you, you wrap that thing up while you were out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course I did. Yeah. You're like women, right? (laughs) I know. It's almost like, it's almost like if, if this had been, Staged as a play, I would have been like, "Yeah, you could have done another twenty minutes of that scene, and I, I would have enjoyed it." I mean, boy, that would have done something to a movie runtime.
1: But uh, yeah, this, and this might this might sound unlikely, but thinking about it afterwards, it reminded me a lot of Gregory Peck in *To Kill a Mockingbird*. Uh, even though they're polar opposite type characters, to me it was the same kind of like gentle performance. Uh, in this case, like. De Niro was using his gentility to mask evil instead of, like, pure goodness incarnate. But otherwise, it was, like, very much reminded me of Gregory Peck.
0: That's an interesting thought, yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you're you're comparing, you know, great, great actors and great films and all of that, but uh, there, there's something to be said uh, for the fact that that thought even, uh, you know, occurs to you. And obviously, you know, the, there's the tremendous the tremendous cast and we're talking about it, but uh, obviously a movie like this works when you have Lily Gladstone uh, as Molly. And, you know, I think that, uh, I don't know, the first 15, 20 minutes of screen time she has, she barely says anything, but uh, she does bring this presence in here. And uh, I think that if I had to guess the the, the casting process, I, I feel like this was probably the part that you spend the most time on, because there, there isn't, I don't know, there isn't an actor-actor with a capital A that you can think of for it. Um, but what did you think, Vinny, of sort of especially the, the first scenes where Uh, where Leo, you know, Ernest is driving Molly around when we're getting to kind of watch the two of them get to know each other. uh, What did you think of uh, Willie Gladstone in this? What's
3: amazing. What's amazing is it's, it's great establishing the relationship where, you know, you kind of know he wants something and you know, she kind of assumes he wants something, but watching her kind of fall for him and realize maybe this guy isn't so bad, even though I kind of have my guard up. I think yeah. she played that beautifully and um, it made you feel even worse for her because you saw what like a strong woman she was. And like you see this relationship where she is the one very much in control uh, before she lets him into her world. And then to watch her whole world fall apart through the whole thing is just makes this movie way more emotional than it, than it would be if – she wasn't such a strong woman at the beginning of
0: it. Uh, just a comment in the chat I want to bring in. Uh, Dominicus Saxon says, I can't sit three and a half hours in a theater. I'd have to watch half, then come back to watch the next day to see the rest. Uh, it is going to be on Apple uh, TV very soon, actually. Uh, you don't actually know what the date is because I wanted to see it in the theater. But it is it is an Apple movie, but they, of course, also do a, a theatrical release so that it can qualify for uh, for awards. Uh, Bill, uh, tell me your thoughts watching sort of this, you know, this uh, low-rent Leo, you know, this uh, not as sharp as some of the characters he's played before. Uh, I would say the worst teeth I've ever seen Leo have in a movie but watching he and Molly uh, get to know each other and, and you know, basically, I don't know, I guess she gets she gets ensnared in his family's web, as it were.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's so underrated, like even in The Departed, I thought he was better than Mark Wahlberg, who got the Oscar nom um, or Matt Damon, who, sh- who got accolades for that. Uh, he really brings it. I mean, he's I mean, it's crazy. Like besides his celebrity, he really is one of the best actors out there. But um, I also thought that like one suggestion is if you go see this movie, I would see it like at the Alamo Draft House where there's not tons of trailers and commercials before, like because <laughs> if you see like AMC, I saw it at Cinemark and it was like uh, it was like four hours. It was crazy. I, Which, you
0: know. I I saw it at a AMC AMC Burbank 16. Big ups to Burbank, uh, and there were uh, 32 minutes of trailers and in pre-show, including, <laughs> including of course Nicole Kidman making sure that we all know that AMC makes movies better.
3: Uh, I hate that commercial so <laughs> much. My wife looks at me and laughs every time that comes on the screen because I get so triggered. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. I, I want know to scream.
1: You see what? Go ahead. Go ahead, Liam. I went to see *Dix* the musical, which has a somewhat different crowd than uh, *Than the <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon*. It was all uh, theater majors and gay dudes, uh, and they cheered when Nicole Kidman came on screen. Wow! And they recited the the, the monologue along with her, and they cheered when it was over. So uh, it
2: has fans. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think there's. Of it. I think they're making fun of it. <laughs> No, oh, there's so? a crowd. There's, a,
0: there's definitely a, uh, a uh, yes queen crowd uh, that uh, when they see her <laughs> up there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I assume that doesn't happen uh, up in the Rochester area, uh, Vinny. I, actually, you know what? When I was up there uh, in June, I saw Asteroid City at an AMC. And I will tell you, uh, no one reacted, no one flinched, no one had any thoughts at all uh, about the Nicole Kidman pre-show, but uh, I might be the
3: only person who has these strong feelings. Apparently, but I hate it very no, much.
0: No, yeah, but I mean, it's it depending on the the movie that that you go to see. That you know, it's funny that you say that, Liam, because I was literally about to bring up the fact that uh, there are times when uh, the the crowd basically, you know, uh, they either recite it or I've been there for multiple. Uh, standing ovations, and <laughs> I, I'm just like, oh, come on, in like in Burbank, yeah. yeah, in Burbank, Burbank. yeah.
1: It's which, the Burbank which, 16, though,
0: which is the suburbs of uh, of LA, Vinny, and uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, this isn't like you know going in Hollywood. Uh, and when I saw one of my least favorite movies of my lifetime, uh, Don't Worry, Darling. Uh, before that, you could tell the crowd that had come out. We're uh, we're definitely the stand and applaud for Nicole Kidman. But
1: uh, anyway, we certainly digress. Just to explain the culture around the Burbank 16, when the Flash bombed horribly, there was one theater where uh, screenings were sold out. And my theory is it was everyone in the industry going to make sure it was as bad as as everyone says it was.
0: (laughs) It's a a lot of industry turnout. And one of the best things about living in the L.A. area is that uh, we don't. We tend to not have bad theaters with bad projections and bad sound because mm-hmm. uh, most likely in a showing, somebody uh, works there. Um, but is there, so
2: is there, any, is there any theater in LA that doesn't have trailers besides the, the draft house? Because the Arc Light, the
0: is- uh, back when the Arc Light was still open, you'd get like two maybe, and I, and some of like the Lemelies. but in general, I mean, your big chain theaters, Bill, you said you saw the Cinemark. And uh Vinny, did you have like a barrage of trailers, or were they respectful yes. of the runtime? Yes, absolutely.
3: <laughs> it was nine thirty at night too. It was the worst. <laughs> There's no respect. Like, can we just get less trailers after nine? <laughs> <laughs> Let me compromise this. Let me get maybe, maybe not show the Nicole Kidman thing, so my yeah. eyes don't back in my head, and I have to somebody has to give me an EpiPen.
0: You know, as expensive as movies can be now, if there was a $5 surcharge for showings where there were no trailers, uh, I think uh, I'm going to speak for the four of us and say, like, yeah, I would absolutely take it every time. I'll I'll pay pay, 10. I'll pay 10. 10. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Bill, you had read the book beforehand. But uh, Vinny, what did you know about this movie going into it? Obviously, you know, there there were trailers that gave us little flashes of it. But uh, what, what did you know going in and what were your expectations for the movie? Well, I host a
3: show called The Creep Off where we talk about this type of atrocity all the time. So I was aware of the Osage Indians and what I don't know if they call it a massacre, but it really should be considered a massacre. Yeah. It was a very slow massacre. But uh, I knew a little bit about that and I knew that's what it was about. I knew it was De Niro. And I knew it was DiCaprio and I knew it was Scorsese and I avoided everything else like the plague before the movie started. I wanted to go in fresh.
0: Yeah, I, I knew I knew what I got from the trailer, which, you know, it's cut together in a way where I, I don't think it really gave much away. You just know at some point the feds start sniffing around you just didn't know that that came at like the, the two hour and 15 minute mark of the movie but i didn't uh,
3: know jesse Clemens was in it and when i saw he was in it, i was like hey, hey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think jesse Clemens is that guy you know when he's in something you're like yes all right i love that guy what I'll about say, you
1: liam i'll, I'll say, say i knew ahead. jesse Clemens was in it but after two and a half hours i forgot so then when he showed up, I was like, holy shit, Jesse Plemons is in this. Uh, and it was like a very nice semi-surprise. So
0: so you're you're basically uh, Tom Hanks, Mr. Short-Term Memory. Hey, <laughs> Tony of, Randall!
1: Tony Randall, of, would you
0: sign this for me? Yeah, yeah. So Jesse kind of.
1: <laughs> I unfortunately had a very good time in my 20s and early 30s. So uh, oh. a short-term memory is not the best. Um, oh,
0: well, you know, good for you, though.
1: Leon. But I, I will say I went to New York City Public High School uh before everyone read howard's Zinn, so i didn't know anything about those sage murders um the tulsa race riots i learned about just by reading when i was a kid uh sundown towns i i read about but like i never had a comprehensive education about the evils of america so i never i didn't know anything i decided not to read the book or read any articles or anything before i went in because i decided if i don't know anything i want to just go in cold to this movie um, I, I kind of didn't know anything about the Osage County or the fact that like the Osage Indians were the richest people on earth for a while. Uh, so at first I thought it was like a fiction story because I was like, not in my America, no, because uh, I was like, uh, I had no idea. I thought it was like, and then there was a clue early in the movie that this was a true story. And I was like, oh man, what happened here? And so I, I was actually able to enjoy that ride uh, because of that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that, you know, not really knowing where it was going or any of that, I think uh, helps. And, you know, just sort of I, I don't I don't quite know what I thought it was going to be, but uh, I, I didn't know that much about the, the backstory, the fact based nature. Um, without dwelling too much on the book, Bill, uh, I'm curious, are there major things that you can say that, oh, it would have been great if this was in here without it, I guess, giving away the movie or or the book too much?
2: Well, uh, I'd say half of the book is about how the FBI was created because of the situation. Right. But I would say the movie shows the brutality much more. It's much worse in the movie than in the book. I mean, you just see like when uh, when you see the certain tribe members being killed, it's absolutely horrendous. And in the book you get like a Mississippi Burning type of vibe where it's like a protagonist trying to solve a crime. Um, But Um, I think in terms of the actual actual brutality of the situation, the movie uh, did it better than the book.
0: And, you know, sort of watching the way that it unfolds, uh, and let me know if any of you disagree, I I do believe that uh, Ernest Leonardo DiCaprio's character, I do believe that he loves Molly, but he's got this sort of uh, allegiance to his uncle and to his family. And he's also pretty dumb. You know, so it, it's very easy for him to be taken advantage of and just sort of not realizing. I I, I don't think that he's just like, oh, I, I want to try to find me, you know, one, one of these women that I can marry into their family and get their money. Uh, I, I think that, yes, you know, uh, King talks about that. But at the same time, it's like, well, there there is one that I like. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like, all right, I'm going to pretend I like somebody. I, I don't know. Do you guys feel... That maybe it changes as the movie goes along. But I feel like even at the end, when he's sort of reflecting on everything, that he does still love her. Uh, I think her opinion has uh, changed somewhat. But what do you think, Vinny?
3: Well, to be honest with you, I watched it at 9.30 at night. And I thought about this <laughs> a lot. I thought about this very aspect of this movie a lot. But I've been trying to figure out... They purposely kind of left it vague as to Ernest's intentions with Molly. Does he realize she's being poisoned by the medicine that he thinks she's getting, or does he legitimately think that she's sick? They never really answer that. Do you know what I mean? Because King is always saying, make sure she gets her medicine, make sure she gets her medicine, and stuff like that. So I don't know how evil Ernest was, if he was just a useful idiot, because he clearly... Uh, was an evil dude. He did a lot of terrible things. But as far as his intentions towards Molly, I felt that they were, for the most part, pure because they didn't specifically say he was trying to hurt her. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I feel like supporting that idea is the notion that, I mean, we're, I don't know, weeks or months in for him administering her insulin with you know the, the 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 extra shot, and then eventually he like smells it and tastes it and passes out. So then he realizes like okay, but up until that point he's just like well they tell me that this is what's going to save her life, so I'm going to give it to her. Uh, maybe I'm giving him too much credit or not enough credit for being dumb. What did you think, Bill? And and is your perceptive perception of this perhaps shaped by the fact that you
2: did read the book and maybe it went more in depth to his his thought process? The debate is whether he's dumb or he's in on it. And that's that's what the people everyone has an issue with that. And that's probably the biggest criticism. Of that's the biggest criticism of the movie. Um, I personally think he's dumb and um, they don't really super talk about it as much in the book because it's really about the Jesse Plemons character. I was just shocked that one of the doctors was from Valerie's family and I couldn't believe he would do that <laughs> thing. Can, <I>, so. <laughs> um, can I give
1: the most annoyingly film school response to this question? Oh, I please call.
0: do. I, I think <laughs> out of... <laughs> yeah, Vinny's, Vinny's tapped out. Little, uh, is, I think, I, I think edition, uh, without, so. without getting too personal, Liam, I think you're the one who's qualified to give us the most annoying film school uh, <laughs> uh, reaction. So please, the floor is yours, as as they um,
1: say. Uh, so uh, what if... What if I apologize. And Vinny, this is the intermission, so feel free to take a piss or whatever. Um, But basically, one of the recurring motifs in Scorsese's uh, oeuvre is this idea that there are that he like people say he talks about toxic masculinity. That's what his subject is. But it's actually about incredibly weak men who have to make a choice between uh, the thing they love or gaining material goods. Because like Scorsese's this very Catholic, Italian Catholic filmmaker. So uh, a lot of like in Goodfellas, it's Henry Hill. You know, uh, he's he's given constantly given choices throughout the movie to kind of like leave the life, but also leave the money and the flashy side of it. Uh, same with Casino. Same like Last Temptation of Christ is all about Jesus making that choice to give up being the savior of the world and just lead a normal life with two wives. Um, and then he realizes that he has to sacrifice himself and he has to give up this life he wants in exchange for saving the world. So two wives like-
3: or the cross, what a tough choice.
1: <laughs> well, it's a lot of listening, Vinny. It's uh, <laughs> not a lot of mortal men can endure that much. That's uh, what I'm saying. <laughs> but anyway, my point is just, Ernest is forced to make that choice and he betrays the woman he loves. And that point really comes at the end of the movie when she point blank says to him, was there anything in the medicine you gave me? And there's that long pause. And then he's like, it's just, it was just medicine. Right. And I feel like that really answers the question more than anything where he's like, knows what his uncle's up to. And he knows that like, he married this wealthy Osage woman. And he knows that at some point this is gonna come where he's gonna have to kill his, his wife. And the fact is they kind of do it sneakily so he doesn't have to consciously make that choice for a very long time until they start adding stuff to her insulin. That's my take on it. The balcony you know, is closed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a moment late in the film where I thought it was going somewhere very different because there's, you know, the, the brother comes back to the house. And, you know, it's a flashback and molly goes downstairs and brings him a pillow and we're starting to see like okay well here's where this person's murder happened and i had this moment where i'm like oh shit was molly in on all of it and she wiped out all of her own family so that she could have all this money and then it doesn't go that way but there's you know so just me uh i thought it was you know like a you know, like a a more eloquent Kaiser Soze moment. And I was just like, are we, are we about to have the FBI tell us? And then it was like, no, actually that's not what happened. The guys who you thought were, you know, up to no good, were up to no good. So I have to admit, I was a little disappointed because I I thought I was about to have my mind blown and I was like, Oh no, but you know what? You don't have to tell stories uh, like that, I guess. Um, In terms of uh, the ending I have seen some reactions to the choice for how the well. Here's what happened after everything happened, and the fact that it's recreated uh, as a, you know radio play of the era, which uh, I I think is an interesting choice. It's better than giving the black title card scenes. Um, I think you know it's sort of representative of a, of a time and place. Uh, I'll ask each of you if uh, anybody had any thoughts about uh, Vinny. Did, uh, did you have any issues with that or at, was it, you know, 1.00 AM? So you're like, I don't even remember that. Happening. Well,
3: no, I remember that very clearly. And I remember looking at my watch and it being about 20 after one going, wow, this is a, <laughs> a relief. They're just going to tie this all up for me right now. <laughs> I can carry my wife to the car she's like a child because she's asleep. Um, it was an interesting choice. It was an interesting choice, and I kind of liked it when I saw it. And then I thought about it after, and I was like, "Well, this clearly was a result of the runtime and having to decide. I can't have like another hour and a half of the trial. Uh, I got to show the establishing shots of De Niro dying in a nursing home. I got to go through all this stuff to get there. I thought it was a fine way to do it. I didn't think it sucked. I, you know, it was what what it it was. I've been different towards it."
0: Well, uh, if I know anything about Bill Narducci, that if you didn't like it, uh, you'll have several reasons why. But if you did like it, please tell us. so. Uh, well, what did you think of sort of ending the movie on that that specific choice?
2: I've heard a lot of criticism of the movie. A lot of people don't like it, um, but I've never heard one bad thing about that ending. Everyone seems okay. to love the way he did it. Um,
0: you're, n- you're not on Twitter anymore, are you, Bill?
2: Not really. I mean, yeah, I'm so. assuming the Brendan Fraser thing's gonna come up. Uh I was I was curious, I mean, what people thought about that aspect of yeah. the movie. Oh yeah, loved, I don't know. Everyone loved that. Uh everyone loved the way he did it, you know? Just Brendan Fraser's performance. No, no, no. That's a whole other subject. That could be another okay. one. <laughs> that was a little nutty. <laughs> I, yeah, I have that. to admit, I was a little,
0: I was a little surprised to see him, uh, and uh, you know, it takes some getting and, used to. Uh, what, before go. we talk about, before we talk about Brendan Fraser, <clears throat> I want, uh, Liam, your thoughts uh, as uh, as a uh, our our resident uh, film school historian.
1: <laughs> well, I will say because uh, I go to a film school on the West Coast that I'd rather not name because uh, I want to stay in it and graduate. <laughs> uh, I got to see it with Eric Roth, who co-wrote it, and he said that the ending was the number one most divisive thing in the preview screenings. Wow. And he said, like, there's almost a 50-50 split between people who loved it and people who hated it. And I don't want to get too into detail about what I thought about it, obviously, because I want to spoil it for uh, Dominicus Saxon. Dominicus uh,
0: Saxon, who will get to see it on uh, Apple TV over the course of, like, four days. He'll break it right. up into, like, episodes, yeah. While
1: he's on his phone and also on his laptop and... <laughs> You know, it's kind of like the best way to watch a movie I was going to
0: say, the way that the best films are always enjoyed. (laughs) Yes, sir.
1: Um, But I will say, I thought it was, it took me aback. And it really like, kind of like, at first I was not into it because it completely spoils the mood of everything you've just watched before. But I thought two things. I thought, A, it actually reminded me of The Creep Off a little bit, which was funny to me. I was like, ah. Scorsese's doing like his version of the creep off, but he's also bookending the movie with like dead media that's now dead, right? Right. And I, I will say B. I didn't know that was Jack White. Uh, He's apparently been through some things. Uh, And C. (laughs) I
3: didn't know that was Jack White until you just said it. I,
0: I have to admit. I also didn't know. I thought it was Meg White, but uh, now oh, that you say it, you're it. right. It is. What? The,
1: <laughs> stop it. The, th- the third thing I'll say, and I realize I'm already spoiling the movie, but I will say I ultimately thought it was a way for Scorsese as a filmmaker to implicate himself in the and all of us and like everyone in the audience in terms of like what happened in the Osage murders. How uh, Native Americans are still being treated, while also commenting on the fact that, like, even though the story might have an ending, kind of like the situation that's depicted in the movie has never ended.
0: Yeah, I uh, I, I can't imagine that uh, things are, uh, are, are are certainly you know great there. Uh, even uh, I don't know exactly you know, but it's about a hundred years ago. No,
1: no, they had their money taken away from them, so now they have nothing to worry about. Nothing's going to murder about. them. Okay, well, no, Well, yeah, nobody's going to murder you if you don't have any money. So there you go. <laughs> no yeah.
3: pro, no money, less murders. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, it seems like a, a great time, uh, Vinny, because uh, Liam basically set you up. It seems like a great time for you to uh, let people know exactly what the creep off is, uh, because I think it's, uh, it, it ties into sort of the, the radio play uh, aspect of this film.
3: Well, you know how the world is a terrible, awful place, everybody? We generally discuss that every week in a uh, jovial kind of way where we uh, argue with each other over who's a bigger creep. So we'll pick a category. For example, uh, this upcoming episode, we're doing restaurant servers. So my co-host Carl from Who Are These Podcasts and I will each nominate uh, who we believe to be the creepiest restaurant server of all time. And then we will act like uh, reverse lawyers and explain why our person is worse. And uh, then our listeners get to vote. So we have a lot of fun with it. But uh, we also discuss a lot of atrocity,
0: and uh, it's a it's a true crime podcast. But uh, I believe the first and possibly the only that uh, is solely geared towards men. Uh, uh, because
3: spare that out,
0: spare <laughs> that out exactly. And uh, I'm I'm sure that if we're going to talk about the creep off, you should you would want everybody to go to creepoff.com and vote Vinny, even if they haven't watched the most recent episode or listened to it. They should just know to vote for
1: you. I would appreciate it from the bottom <laughs> of my heart.
3: Thank uh, you, Chris. resolved
1: the whole Carl is going to Gary, Indiana thing. He's, He's never going to do it.
3: He was but, never going to do it. He was being a uh, a crybaby about it the whole time, and I gave him an out, and then he cheated on his out too. So you know. But I, right.
0: I do believe for a subsequent uh, punishment, uh, our our mutual friend the Potato is going to write a stand up uh, performance for him to deliver. Uh, in March, uh, up there in uh, in in Rochester. Sorry, Bill disappeared. I I was worried that I'd done something, but uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, so the punishments uh, don't always fit the crime. Well, he's you're doing stand
1: up you know? in March in Rochester. Yeah, before he's, the subreddit surfing live show, correct? Oh, I, I was hoping he was going to open for um, someone else. Well, it's the same weekend.
3: March. It is <laughs> the same weekend. It's the night before. <laughs> yeah. So if you're coming, Liam, yeah, by the yeah. subreddit surfing show, we'll have some fun.
1: It's, it's, the, it's the start of my spring break. And where better to spend spring break than Rochester in March?
0: You know, to be fair, <laughs> I w- went to Rochester for the first time in my life, despite growing up in the southern part of New York State, uh, back in June. And it was lovely. I don't know what everybody was complaining about, Vinny, who went for DabbleCon last February. I think uh, they were It was lovely when I went.
3: They were complaining about the negative uh, temperature, the blowing <laughs> snow, oh. and uh, the ice that was everywhere.
0: I I didn't experience any of that. In fact, Vinny took me out to breakfast and bought me corned beef hash. Something I can't say either of the two of you have ever done. So obviously it's one of my favorite. Well, places I've to never go.
1: I've never fucked you, Christian. Uh so I mean, Yet. how do you
3: thank someone for a handjob? I mean, <laughs> yeah, guys, exactly. I have a plate that's, of corned beef hash. That's how it all works.
0: <laughs> uh well, we've really veered away from uh Killers of the Flower Moon, but uh let, let's uh, steer it back in. Uh are there things for any of you that uh, you feel don't specifically spoil the movie? Was there a scene? Was there a character? Is there anything where you're just like, Oh, come on. You know where it would have been like almost perfect if not for this one thing. There doesn't have to be one of those, but uh, you know, even some of our favorite movies, there's always something that uh, that nagged at you. You know, and for some people, it's the the radio play ending. But uh, Liam, did the uh, the film school voice in the back of your head have anything that uh, was?
1: I'll say this: um, Brendan Fraser and John Lithgow in such small roles. I just couldn't stop thinking, oh, that's Brendan Fraser. That's John Lithgow. And um, I didn't get it, but the screening I went to, everybody was just howling, laughing at literally everything Brendan Fraser said. And I was kind of like, well, none of this is funny, funny. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: in fact, the only thing that was missing from this movie for me is like Scorsese's a great comedy filmmaker. Like he drops these great comedy bits in his movies. And there was none of that in Killers of the Flower Moon. Until you get to Brendan Fraser, apparently. And I just didn't get it.
0: <laughs> I think that there were moments, uh, especially when they get back to the house, which is an issue for me. I'm just like, wait a minute. This guy's supposed to you know, be a part of this court case, trying to keep it semi-vague. And uh, then they're given a chance to talk him out of it. And I'm like, all right, I don't really know how the law works. And maybe not at that <laughs> time. So I'm just like, this seems highly irregular. But – Brandon Fraser is so big in that scene, and I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm actually not trying to be funny about the way he appears. It's just the performance is at a different level than everybody else in the scene. So maybe that's why people were laughing. I didn't find it laughable, uh, but to your point about John Lithgow, uh, I just kept thinking about Third Rock from the Sun because uh, <laughs> he was kind of giving that level. That yeah, you know, this wasn't this wasn't Garp. You know this wasn't like you know some of his fight this was just like oh okay so this is how he's delivering this you know but yeah uh, that's sort of very fast maybe it was just a lot of dialogue for him. uh bill was there anything for you that uh that maybe stood out it doesn't have to be actor it could have been a, a poorly lit scene or something but uh is yeah, there anything no that it's, one the, you?
2: it's one of the best shot movies of all time yeah agreed yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, the fire scene was amazing, and yeah, I guess Rodrigo P- uh, Pietro shot it. I was like, Who shot this? This is amazing. Uh, the Brendan Fraser, everyone laughed in the theater. I don't get the animosity towards John Lithgow, who is one of the nicest people in Hollywood, also. But so it's like he's notoriously nice. Um,
1: I don't have anything against Lithgow, it's just kind of like it was such a small role that every time he was on screen, I was like, Lithgow. <laughs>
2: It's true, you know, but, I was, you know, um the the Frasier performance was nutty. I don't really get what was going on there. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. It was and, really it, and it's not like he's like that in everything, you
0: know. That's certainly not what the whale it was. wasn't like sure. that in
2: Be Dazzled, you know. <laughs> no, he's not like Was he like Doom Doom that in Patrol?
0: Encino Man? I can't remember. I can't think that far back.
2: No, and he was a caveman. You know? Yeah, that's true. It would have He been, actually gave uh,
1: an incredibly grounded performance in Encino, man. Yeah. It's
0: a, it's a great point. Was there anything for you, uh, Vinny, that uh and and by the way, did your wife legitimately fall asleep during it? I mean, it was a, it was a lot of times. Probably two or three times. Yeah. Three times. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my my wife fell asleep during the flash and I I, I was just envious of her. I was like oh, I wish I was sleeping right now.
3: I saw a guy throw a noose over a uh, a beam in the theater and hang himself during the flash and I was jealous. Uh, during uh this movie there was one scene that i thought was really interesting that i really wish they had explored more of the angle in which i guess is the only thing that i wish there was more and uh, it's the scene in the mason temple if you if you remember that oh yeah Mm -hmm. and they didn't really get into how the masons had anything to do with this apart from that scene and it would have been very interesting to see a little bit more of the organized level of who was in on this whole thing um, there were weird there were weird like power struggles happening like they were talking about the Ku Klux Klan they were like they're just power hunger we don't want them around here and stuff like that there was like this these weird dynamics and weird things that were involved in all of us that really weren't explored so I wish they had gone down that path just a little bit more it would have been interesting to me
0: yeah it was very interesting because you know I'm, I'm sure it's consistent and, and accurate portrayal of the era you know they have that parade in town and just you know the clan's just there and there's like characters you recognize from other scenes you know the the, the one guy who every time hey, we no. see him he's yeah there's the, the guy who's always saying something largely racist but still you're like oh that guy you know uh so yeah that that definitely you do a little bit of an about face you know it's like and here come the boy scouts and here's the Ku Klux Klan, you know? Uh, So yeah, I thought uh, it it was interesting. But as you're mentioning that, I was thinking like, yeah, there could definitely be some more organizational behind uh, King, you know what I mean? There could be more like the Masons, the Klan, you know, anything like that. Um, Is there anything like that? in the book bill or is really his character kind of front and center the way he seems in the movies
2: oh he's front and center yeah it's a okay. you no know, it's like it's, it's like mississippi burning you know which you know people's people don't like but i still think holds up you know i understand 2023 I
0: mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, but uh, you know, my recollection of it isn't. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess. I guess I should. Uh, I should dive back into it before I comment on a movie I haven't seen in more than.
2: It's a great years. family movie.
0: Yeah, well, that's yeah. The the kids and I, uh, we always do uh, Friday family movie nights, so that's probably a good one. Instead I was gonna a- watch the. I was gonna watch the Accused tonight, but uh, maybe Mississippi Burning will be a little bit better. So.
2: Double feature. Double feature. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Can I tell you, I was hanging out with a friend last night and he told me he fell asleep for much of Oppenheimer. And then he was like, I just wish they had focused more on the Japanese bombings. And I was like, oh, you mean the last third of the movie? Um, well,
0: I, um, you know, uh, Vinnie, you'll appreciate that uh, this show, our Oppenheimer episode, uh, we talked about the movie for about an hour and then I thought it would be fun to bring Tukey on for the last half hour. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my co-hosts just didn't get Tukey at all. And uh, it was more fun for Tukey that uh, I think my friend was uh, just not having it. But my thought on Oppenheimer was that uh, the runtime wasn't the issue. It was more that the amount of time like you didn't you needed to tell me that like half the movie was going to be spent on figuring out whether or not he gets to keep his security clearance. And uh, not the single most uh, significant moment in human history—the uh, actual detonation of the atom bomb—I'm um, not even entirely critical of of the movie on the whole. I just felt like, oh, I didn't realize that was going to be the division of the story, you know. But uh, uh, I enjoyed this much more than that. I will say that, though. Hundred uh, percent. So, yeah.
3: If you're gonna waste three hours, folks,
0: <laughs>
3: spend it with Scorsese is my advice to you.
0: I agree. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we were talking at the beginning that this was uh, the best one in a while Uh, and it's, I'm sure the last thing that he would want is uh, you to compare it. But uh, do you feel, we don't need to do like a, like a ranking, but do you feel that it holds up with Scorsese's best? I, I personally feel like it does. I think, you know, there's very few movies that I can look at and be like, oh, it's flawless. But I don't think there's anything in this where I'm like, oh, yeah, no. like what's what's happened to this guy? You know, does uh, does anybody have any thoughts
2: on that? I'll ask you first, uh, Bill. Dude, I even like bringing out the dead. So I'm as Scorsese. I mean, even when he's bad, he's good. It's like pizza. Um, <laughs> it's like wow. Yeah. I mean, have, even- have
0: you ever had pizza in the state of Ohio, Bill?
2: Uh, <laughs> no, but I've had it in Vancouver, Washington, and it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, Irishman had the book was better for again for the Irishman, yeah. You know, I, think, I think the issue was De Niro beating up the guy, that was that was probably the biggest mistake in the movie of the Irishman, but yeah, he's the best. I mean, I even like bringing out the dead, you know, and not many people like that movie. Um, it's a great movie, yeah. It's just um, Kundun, I understand people make fun of it, you know, he swung to the fences for that one, but um, yeah, he's. This is, this is up there. You know, it's not as good as Raging Bull or King of Comedy or Goodfellas or Casino, but it's it's up there. It's like an A- in them.
1: I I would say the, the big thing about Kundun was because it was about the Dalai Lama and it was produced by Disney, the Chinese government went to Disney and said, hey, how would you like to never have a movie play in China again yeah. and miss out on a kajillion dollars in audience? So it opened in two theaters nationwide uh and it, it just became a big flop because of that uh, it's a beautiful movie in my opinion um but uh i felt new york new york was the pizza in ohio version of a <laughs> scorsese movie a, that's it was, that's a top it's top. a dreadful bad movie um I, I i would say it's up there It's structurally reminded me of goodfellas um up, up into and including Ernest flipping and turning states witness at the end um Like it's a part and parcel of his like Goodfellas Casino kind of like epic bio filmmaking, you know, true story filmmaking.
0: What do you think, Vinny, in terms of, uh, you know, you know, if if you had physical DVDs on a shelf and you were putting like, well, this shelf is only going to fit like my five to ten favorite uh, Scorsese movies. Would it would it would there be room for it on your shelf?
3: Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, you could tell he made that movie with a lot of love. Like, there was a lot of respect for the for the subject matter, and you could tell that it was a really, really uh, well-presented and thought-out film, I think, except for maybe the ending. You know, we all agree, you know, whatever. I'm indifferent towards it. But other movies that he did that I love that were, like, period pieces, like Gangs of New York... I love that movie, even though it's silly at times and stupid as shit. I feel like I loved this movie the same way I loved that movie, but this movie wasn't quite as out there, and it was like more of a serious tone. So, um, yeah, I would say it's one of his better movies for a period. I didn't like The Aviator that much. So, like, for those period old school movies, I think this was probably his best one. Um, Great movie. I mean, I give it an eight or a nine. There wasn't much wrong with it. So it's got to be up there for
0: him. Yeah, no, no, I definitely, I think uh, we're largely in, uh, in agreement
1: when it comes to that. And um,
0: yeah, I, can I think throw, that...
1: Go ahead. Can I throw a question out to you guys? Because uh, I'm I'm in a gangster movie class this semester, and the professor said something very interesting yesterday, and I'm curious to get your take on it, which is he said Scorsese's the greatest of all time. Do you agree with that?
0: Yes. <laughs> I mean... I, I'm, I'm hesitant to call anybody the, the greatest of all time in, in most things, but it's, it's hard to – like, you say that, and it's, it's not like I'm going to be like, what, are you crazy? You know, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to disagree, uh, you know. I mean, you can, you can compare other great directors and other work, but uh, for the, the quality and sort of the, the reception and the acclaim for their body of work, uh, what do you think, Vinny? Do you think it's uh, realistic?
3: I don't know anybody I like more. Like, there's not a lot of directors when I see that they're putting something out that I like. It's that much of a must see. You mean besides?
0: You mean besides Michael Bay?
3: Get out of here! Out of here. The <laughs> ambulance. I, I, I'm not qualified to say who's the best at anything, but I can say this: I would say he's my favorite. Yeah. I mean, that's all I'm qualified to tell you.
0: What, uh, I'll ask each of you this. Do you remember the first uh, Scorsese movie you saw? Obviously, when you're a kid, you're not going to go from, you know, Star Wars to, to Mean Streets or anything like that. Uh, let me ask you first, uh, Vinny, because you're the one who made me think of it. Do you remember the first time you saw a Scorsese movie, which one it was? And
3: I somehow ended up with a VHS copy of Casino. And uh, I love that movie to this day. Casino. I know too. I, I watch it. I it's probably in my top three favorite movies of all time. And again, it's the world building. It's the sense of humor that's in it. It's in the the fact that he's so good at getting these great performances out of people that they like in that movie. Two actors who are fant fantastic that you just want to murder whenever they come on screen. <laughs> <laughs> you want to murder James Woods and you want to oh, kill yeah. Stone. So it's like. <laughs> How do you get me that angry? You know what I mean? Like that, that was the stuff that made me immediately like love those movies is it made me actually physically feel
0: emotion. So uh, ever since the, that I was hooked with Scorsese. I, I agree that uh casino, uh, I think interestingly, I saw casino in the theater I had not seen Goodfellas at that point, just whatever reason it hadn't happened. So I think that for people that, of course, many people saw Goodfellas first. And, I, you know, obviously there's some the, the Venn diagram has a lot of crossover on those two movies. But I, I, I don't think the movies are entirely that similar, but I, I can understand why people compare them. I feel like I enjoyed Casino more because I didn't have. You know, sort of the backstory of Goodfellas, which is also, of course, phenomenal. I'm really going out on a limb here talking about how good Goodfellas is. But uh so yeah, I think I have an appreciation for casino that other that even the people I saw it with when I was in college were like, yeah, it's all right. Uh but I think as time has gone on, people are like, actually, no, casino is is actually really great. Um I'll what about casino. you, Good. Sorry.
3: It's one A and one B to me, Casino. Yeah, yeah. Goodfellas. That's I, you know.
1: In this class, we're watching these movies on the big screen. Yeah, I'd never seen Casino or Goodfellas on the big screen before. Only like, uh, you know, on a tube TV or like, like my TV, whatever. But it's like uh, Casino is a more beautiful movie visually because it's set in that like beautiful old Las, classic Las Vegas world. Whereas Goodfellas is set in like the lower middle class Queens I grew up in. And it's a lot more squalid and just dirty. But uh, I will say it felt like Casino was maybe 10 minutes too long. Whereas Goodfellas was just like tight, tight, tight up until that last shot of like, you know, uh, uh, what's his name shooting at the screen? Pesci.
0: Yeah, but, you know, 10 minutes too long in a movie that's still great. You know, it's not like it's 40 minutes too long. So, you know, it's, it's not too bad. Uh, um, Bill, did uh, your parents take you to the Lafayette Theater in Suffern to to see Raging Bull as a kid, or uh, what was the first uh, Scorsese you saw?
2: Well, uh, I saw Goodfellas at the Hawthorne Theater with my dad in Hawthorne, New Jersey. It changed my life. Um, I mean, everything was just night and day after I saw that. I was a freshman in high school. Um, I read in uh, Barry Sonfeld's. Uh, biography he uh he did like the last week of shooting on Goodfellas and he noticed that uh Scorsese and De Niro were like snickering behind him <laughs> and, then, and he went up to Scorsese and he was like are you guys like laughing at me and he and Scorsese goes yeah of course he goes he goes why he's like look at you like look at the way you are <laughs> see you later Barry <laughs> <laughs> I, I never heard that. And so um so yeah, <laughs> you know, I think it was shot by Robert Richardson and then Goodfellas was shot by Ballhouse. So um definitely two different type of cinematographers, but you know, um yeah, Goodfellas changed my life. It's my then defending, li- uh, defending your life, my defending your life for my two favorite moves of all time.
0: Which which is a fantastic movie, the Albert Brooks movie, Defending Your Life. And uh, Bill, uh, you talk about that movie so often. It reminds me of how much I liked it. I just randomly you know, I don't know, went to see a movie with my mom and it happened to be that. But uh, that is a fantastic movie. And uh, bringing in a comment that's relevant to Goodfellas. Our buddy Dominicus Saxon bought some of Henry Hill's marinara gravy before he died. I didn't have the cojones to tell him it wasn't very good. <laughs>
1: I mean, if he took just, a
0: swing at you, he would have fallen over. So you wouldn't have
1: the, to worry about it. Henry Hill was such a bad drunk, and he would call into the Stern Show. I think we talked oh. about this, Christian. He Parma, would call into the Parma Parma Mariana.
2: Mariana.
1: Remember that? <laughs> but he would call into the Stern Show, falling down drunk. And then the best was the real-life Spider's sister called in one morning while Henry was a guest to ask where they'd buried his body because he always said it was beneath the club. So they dug up the basement of that club. And it wasn't there. And Henry was so drunk and so gone at that point from prescription drug abuse that uh, he couldn't literally couldn't remember where they buried Spider. <laughs> did he get wow.
3: any in for his sauce? At least. At home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by sure. the way, who's backing Henry Hill to make pasta sauce?
0: <laughs> I mean, come on! Somebody published that uh, that OJ Simpson. If I did it, bro. I'm going to say the last so... 20
1: minutes of Goodfellas is a plug for how good Henry is at making gravy. Please, he probably made yeah. it
0: in the past. I mean, he was a—he was definitely a phenomenal uh, Stern Show guest. <laughs> yeah, look, I think that uh, I can look. There's a lot of reactions from people, including even someone who lives in this house, that the the idea of the runtime was just very unappealing. But I do think that it's like. I don't know, sometimes, it, you know, yes, there are times where movies are just way too long and you don't know why. Uh, I don't I don't wanna delve into genres, but the fact that the last Batman movie was literally three hours in one minute and it's just like, you know, Christopher Nolan is a much better filmmaker than Matt Reeves. I'm sorry to say, his movies weren't three hours. They were long too. I'm just saying, sometimes it's okay to have your movie be long if you feel like that's the story you need to tell. And especially when it's based on a book and to Bill's point, they probably cut a lot out of it, but I don't know. I, I feel like there isn't anybody who I think was like considered, like if you're considering seeing this because you love Scorsese, because you love great films and you're not put up by the running time, there isn't anybody that I would say, Oh yeah, you should stay home. Somebody like Dominica Saxon who says, I'm really worried about that. It's like, you know what? It's going to be on Apple. If you want to split it up. You know, that's not what the filmmaker wanted,
2: but perhaps you're going to be more likely to enjoy it. No, he wanted that. He wanted an intermission, I heard.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That, that did uh, come up earlier. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would tell everybody who, you know, who would be so inclined. They should definitely check out this movie. Let us know if you're, you think, if you're not
1: into it, like. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I'm talking over you. I apologize. No, it's okay. But I'm going to say, if you want to watch a movie in the theater that is half the runtime of Killers of the Flower Moon, I saw The Holdovers last week. And that was a great movie, like really fun, really funny, uh, equally great performance from Paul Giamatti. And I highly recommend uh, people go out and watch it in the theater. It's very old school. He shot it. He said it didn't shoot it like a period piece. He shot it like the crew was in the year 1970. And uh, and it shows how much he he loves that period of movies. and. Just that's all I want to plug. I I I don't know anything. I
0: I don't know anything about that movie, but uh, I've seen the trailer. It's
3: on my it's on my list of movies to go see. I I
0: like Paul Giamatti. I feel like that endorsement, uh, I'll put that uh, up next on the list, but nobody tells Scorsese that the next episode of this show will be recapping the latest Marvel movie, the Marvels. Uh, with, uh, some of our panels and, uh, uh, some of our regular panelists here and, uh, from, uh, the Geekscape Network, where we will also be talking about the Loki series. There's room in my heart for all of it. I don't, I don't, I don't convince the Marvel people they need to go see Scorsese movies. I don't try to convince the Scorsese people, uh, Maybe every once in a while, I might say like, you know, this one's not terrible, but, uh, you know, uh, but uh, it's it's all right. Not everybody has to like everything. That's that's the world that we live in. But
1: and, and Christian, it, if, yeah. can I recommend if your audience wants a seven hour runtime, they watch who are these broadcasters in your recap of Kiss on the Tom Snyder show?
0: <laughs> well, by the way, that was uh, an hour and 40 minutes, uh, but uh, that was our Halloween Spectacular Not our Halloween spooktacular, uh, as I was uh, clear. That
1: segment went on a while.
0: Uh, It was longer than the actual appearance Kiss made on The Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. But uh, it is one of my favorite pieces (laughs) of video in broadcasting history, and that's why I devoted so much time to it. And uh, Don Jameson was the perfect uh, person to sit in with uh, Eric Zane and I on Who Are These Broadcasters?, which you can find on the Who Are These Podcasts? Network. It's not really a network, though, Vinny. Right? It's the Carl Network, right?
3: I don't know what you are all up, are up to, so I don't have any.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, and you can also find it where you get your uh, audio podcasts, and uh, of course subscribe to the Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, this channel and the audio version. Vinny, we talked about the creep off. Give the uh, elevator pitch for subreddit surfing. One of my favorite shows on youtube only partially because of your delightful co-host cardiff electric
3: well it's funny because i keep uh pitching you as a guest to come on and cardiff just keeps going absolutely not
0: i I don't know what the deal is there i was on once and he felt like that was enough i'm just kidding
3: uh subreddit surfing every week we do a crazy experiment my potato friend cardiff and i we pick a different reddit page and we go through it to try to figure out what these people are talking about and uh what they're actually doing on there so uh, for example, we'll pick a page like uh, we just did cryptids a few weeks ago. Uh, so people who believe in Bigfoot Loch Ness Monster and all that stuff, we put a StreamYard link on the page and we invite anybody who has a story to come on and tell us about it. So at times it gets very interesting and it's very silly. subredditsurfing.com if you want to check it out.
0: Yeah. And as I told uh, both you and Cardiff uh, when I first started, what I liked about it was that you would have on somebody that believed in Bigfoot and, you know, You wouldn't pretend to believe with it, but you also didn't have them on just so that you could make fun of them. You know, it was like, no, tell us why you believe this. And I feel like that's the interesting take on that. Like, I, you know, I'm going to admit I don't believe in Bigfoot, but I would talk all day to somebody who does to hear why they're so convinced that it's real. You know,
3: we did an episode a few weeks ago uh, about exorcisms, and we had a guy on who uh, performs exorcisms over the phone. (laughs) <laughs> and other, like, is on Reddit So like you're not going to find this type of uh, Coverage anywhere else but subreddit Surfing phone you're not going to find out about The uh, the phone exorcist anywhere else just No one
0: exactly one. so uh, Subreddit so surfing the creep off are the two places To find Vinny uh, Liam I feel like you don't like to Be found do you just want me to Plug no, the no, fact I... that you were on an earlier episode Of the Black House talking about the Premiere of the Chevy Chase show
1: I will say even longer than Uh <laughs> Then your KISS wrap-up was our two-part look at the Chevy Chase show, which I yeah. will say, I will own this, was entirely my fault because I wouldn't shut up. Um, but uh, I I do have uh, two plugs other than that, three plugs, because uh, two months ago I was on the Rock Bottom podcast with Ray DeVito. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm so which,
0: sorry for you and your family.
1: <laughs> which I have uh, not done subsequently, but uh, it's definitely worth a listen if you want to hear a guy big shut-ins for money. Um, also, I was on, I was on, uh, I'm December 13th, I have my own show at the Improv uh, oh, here okay. in beautiful Los Angeles in Hollywood. Uh, in the small room in the lab, uh, please come out. If you want to be put on the guest list, um, I don't really make much money, so feel free to email me through my website, liam at heyitsliam.com. And uh, I'll put you on the guest list. Even Christian Blatt. And I also want to mention uh, March 10th, I will be at Comedy of the Carlson <laughs> sitting in a sea of fat bearded dudes uh, watching Stuttering John stumble through his set, um, which is something I'm very excited about. I'm going to
3: sit you with <laughs> Carl and Shuly for that. You'll have a great time. <laughs>
1: Okay. I think, I think that'll be I think
0: I think Carl's answer. not allowed in the room if I'm not uh, mistaken. you you somebody's a little bit behind in the narrative aren't you Liam? Uh,
1: I I actually I've been uh I've been directing in a sitcom class so I have not been listening to much podcasts I will admit that Which
0: which funny enough uh my wife worked in that same sitcom class 20 or 19 years ago. So I thought it was oh, very well, funny okay. when yeah when uh, Liam was doing that.
1: Christian's but, younger uh, wife I want to just put a plug
0: yeah. in for oh yeah no thank you i you know what thank you i appreciate uh, any time that we can call attention to the, the fact
3: holy crap a- Liam wants to plug christian's wife hey <laughs> wait a minute
0: I've heard she's young. In- <laughs> this is hor- this is horrifying <laughs> not, not, not uh bill uh i i know that uh your your footprint is very light uh on the internet these days is there anything you want to promote whether it's you know, anything for you, or just like, hey, I saw a great show or a great movie that maybe nobody heard about, obviously, other than Defending
2: Your Life. Liam, did you see the holdovers at the Arrow Theater? Is that is that okay?
1: You... No, I...
2: I I know there's you're... a
1: there's a class at my school, yeah, that's taught by Leonard Malton, and he had Alexander Payne come in to do a Q&A after the movie. And I got to talk to Alexander Payne for a, a little bit after the movie. So yeah, that's I... That's my plug for how good my life is right now.
2: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I heard it's the best movie of the year, actually. It's they, a great
1: movie. And
2: was at the Arrow Theater, and it went gangbusters. That's why. Um, no, it
1: it was, uh, I would say, for a movie that's not pitched to 20-year-olds, it went really amazingly well at the screening I went to.
2: The, the head writer variety hated it for crazy, moronic reasons, which is controversial as well, but... um is this like part of the Joe universe? Is that what's going on? <laughs> I, I mean... the potato? You know who Cardiff is, right? We've the talked, talked about the potato. Okay. The He's potato. a fucking potato! Look at the potato! Oh. You know all
0: about that, yeah.
2: Oh my God. I, I feel like oh. I'm famous now. He's <laughs> a potato!
0: Well, the next time you're on, maybe, just me. I might have been speaking with Cardiff the, earlier he lost today. His mind a couple days ago, Stuttering John, right?
2: On, uh. on the
0: podcast. Bo- I, came back I, I don't else. think we can have that conversation right now. Uh, Vinny's in business with an upcoming. Uh, what is it? How do people just go to Comedy at the Carlson? There's a live event with Stuttering John. I think Stuttering John Live. I hear. Uh, Look, uh, what, promoted. What, what is
2: Comedy at Tom the Carlson?
0: That's a club up in Rochester uh, where, so Vin, where Vinny, I it? believe you're there right now because it looks I'm like. In where, the building. Yeah, he's in the building. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, Thanks. well, Liam's gonna be there, and I'm feeling like I'm missing out if I don't go to starting John Live in March, but uh we'll we'll see how it all shapes out. You're anyway, make- uh I you know, I uh I, I just have to try to convince my wife that it's a good idea. And I'm gonna go take from- that as a yes, you'll be there. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> right. uh, I well, more than anything, I want to be there for the night before when uh Carl does uh his uh set. That uh Cardiff uh is writing for him. Uh I, I offered Cardiff if he wants anybody to just read it over and uh help give him pointers, I would be more than happy to. But
3: uh. there's lots of ways we're gonna go with this because I'm gonna help Cardiff write Carl's <laughs> his act for him. There's lots of things that I know Carl hates about stand-up comedy. I've yeah. known Carl for quite a long time and I <laughs> work in the field, so he always tells me the things that he can't stand. So I'm gonna make sure that uh we make Carl as much of a hack as possible. Well, every awful dumb thing we can. Yeah. And I just want to, I I just want to put
0: things. I just want Carl to have to say things that uh, anybody who knows him knows he doesn't believe. Like I would hope that Cardiff would have anecdotes. Like, so I'm getting my fifth booster shot and I can't believe, you know, it just goes from there. But anyway, what were you going to say, Liam? I'll give you the, the Jerry Springer final thought of the episode.
1: Well, I hope it's not the final thought of the episode, but I hope you give Carl a nice, juicy impression. To do, like something that is very easy, like Gregory Peck and *To Kill a Mockingbird*.
0: Um, <laughs> something you know, if, easy of things like that.
1: <laughs> oh, don't worry,
3: I, I can, can help if you need help. Yeah Great, I want to see Carl's Jack Nicholson. I want him to come around and do the whole
0: thing. You got to push it. <laughs> right.
3: It would go a little something like this.
1: Is-
0: Hey,
3: boys, and to
1: girls. Hold in between
0: your knees. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, thank you to everybody uh, for joining us. And uh, let us know if you check out the movie, what you think. Thanks to Liam McEnany, Bill Narducci, and of course, Vinnie Paulino. Uh, that is all the time we have for now. Uh, a, a third of the running time of Killers of the Flower Moon. I think we did great. Uh, but uh, that's all the time we have for now. We will see you next time on the Blackcast. Thank you for listening to The Bladcast.
2: I love that you had 25 clips you got rid of. Can you please call Christian Blad after this and explain yeah. to him quality control? <laughs> yeah, right. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D. M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D.
0: We will see you next time on The Bladcast. We're fighting for our right to live the way we need to, to exist in a festive world for 55 to 57 full days.
2: (laughs) And The Bladcast showing up. My buddy Christian. I'd like to announce that Eric Zane and I will no longer be discussing Quincy reruns on Who Are These Broadcasters <laughs> this <laughs> well, week, Tuesday at 2 p.m. I'll tell ground. you one place you can do it, Christian. Go to fundmike.net, subscribe to the Patreon.
3: If I find out those motherfuckers are talking about Thunder in Paradise, Carter. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carter, By the way, fuck them up. I we own this on the Creep Off, motherfuckers, all right? No one else is talking about Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> That's my thing. Um, Better hope yeah, we don't so, get to that Quincy finale. Real quick to um, uh, the Blattcast, Christian Blatt, him and Eric Zane, host Who Are These Broadcasters, on the Who Are These Podcast YouTube channel. And we are having a special time on Tuesday, 2 p.m. rather than our regular 3 p.m. So an hour earlier coming up this Tuesday.
0: Hello. I'm Conrad Dane.
1: What's the matter, Senor Luigi? You look a little nervous. I'm very nervous. No invite.
2: <laughs> Who are you? Christian Bland? Christian, no,
0: you are I you're
3: a
1: talker. you talk no, you like the I worst podcast
2: ever.
0: Well, this has been the blackcast. You can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Durey, not on Twitter.
1: Oh yeah! <laughs> I'm getting ready to break into a slim gym.
2: Yeah. <laughs> This is not a good game. <laughs> but you haven't heard Christian Blatt do it. <laughs> oh, that's out. true. I forgot Christian Blatt did that with us. The Blatt cast. So upset, Thank you, Christian. You How you is it that Wendy camp, is so much so better at this than, than Stud Joe, Chad, and before. Kevin Brennan? Whoa! Hackers. hackers! As Pissed off as Vinny is at you, yeah, you yeah, should yeah. be at Christian Blatt and Eric Zane. <laughs> this one came in from uh, my buddy Christian Blatt. The
1: Blattcast, thank you for the 199 Christian. Christian. Uh, Cardiff, grab your guitar to play Whole lot of Rosie.
2: Mousies. The Blattcast, 199 Who's had more hands up their bum, Chad or Tukey? Chad, thank you, Blattcast. The Blattcast. The Blattcast.
1: The Blattcast
2: is 100% right.
1: Uh, the Blattcast. The Blattcast. The Blattcast.
0: One of the best podcasts you
2: can ever see, the Bladcast. Whoop-de-doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Bladcast. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500. Last time I said. Totally forgot. I am doing the Bladcast tomorrow. Uh, the Bladcast, 499. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. <laughs> that was not my fault.
1: Toki loves you all more than a friend. I love Tukey. Yay! Hacka, hacka! I was uh, sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. See what about them? See who's doing it.